Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Well, greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Hi, I am uh, Chuck. And I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. We post it every Monday at MetalSucks.net. Also on iTunes and all that good stuff, make sure that you uh, check in and subscribe on iTunes. That way you can get it right on your whatever device that you listen to it on or whatever. Like I said, I'm an iPhone guy, but you know I was mocked last week for that, so we won't get into it again. Doesn't, doesn't this song like just get you pumped? <laughs> like every time I hear it, it's like it just it never gets old. It makes me want to talk some more. God, more things. It makes me want to rip it, rip up a little more um, uh, you know, metal topics. Yeah. It makes you want to talk about things. Yeah. Like talk a, about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, get excited about it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and all that good stuff. I was tweeting the hell out of uh, tweeting the hell out of this whole crap that's going down in Ferguson. So the, uh, the, the, yeah, don't pay attention to the po- politics stuff that I'm. I'm to- okay, Dude, pay, pay attention, attention to it. Pay attention to my politics. Okay, then. So uh, I am at Bearded Ape, and I'm you are Godless. Speaks. So follow us on Twitter, and you can see exactly what the hell's going on in our lives. Also, you know what? Be, be, just be very glad that I'm not po- like putting my hand uh, poker hand histories up on Twitter. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like that you were would, doing that for a while. I, I, I got it. Yeah, I and got, got over it. that. I got I'm over it. Glad you did. I realized that like that's going nowhere. You know, yeah. K uh, K Queen uh, uh, Q O greater than. Well, you tried that, uh, and what else did you do? You tried. Um, uh, weren't you doing? Oh, you were doing a stock thing that was on f- oh, yeah. Facebook or well, whatever. I'll still put up some stocks here and there, but right now the market's not very good. To get I tweet Star in. Wars shit. That's yeah. what I do. Is I tweet Star <laughs> Wars shit. That stuff is what goes viral. We're okay? sophisticated gentlemen. Mm, totally. Yeah. We Star are sophisticated. Wars. That's, I, all I think about is Star Wars and metal. That's about <laughs> all I think about, man. And I, t- I think about stock picks <laughs> and the future of the economy and, and gambling and gambling <laughs> and gambling. <laughs> And metal. It's all the same. So this episode, we have uh, one of my favorite people, actually. I love this dude. He is such a so such, such a cool guy, man. Jason McMaster is, you might have seen a post, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, about uh, the new Evil United is the latest band that he's in, uh, working with Gene Hoagland for some lyrics and some other stuff, and I saw a post on it, and I think everybody kind of has this warm spot in their heart for Jason McMaster, because he is one of the nicest dudes you will ever ever fucking meet i mean he's just such a nice guy and uh we got to sit down and talk with him uh in studio about a lot of the history because where he comes from if you are a fan of progressive metal watchtower is the beginning know your histories people i mean it's pretty much the pretty much the beginning of it i you know i was played some the other night on my terrestrial show i was like holy shit i never like tapped into oh this is cynic I'm like this is yeah. exactly where this is where focus came from. Yep. I mean, it's it's that was the natural progression that came after it from guys like Billy White and Ron Jarzarmak. So yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Jason about uh, his history and a lot of that stuff uh, coming up here on the on the podcast this week. So excited for that. We're also going to hear a new song from Origin and one from Evil United as well. So Kick that's all the way. And then of course we had to uh, something happened. Was was that? 
Was it this last week? I guess, no, it was the weekend before. The weekend before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Heavy Montreal happened. And the most killer heavy metal lineup I've ever I seen. I wanted to go. I, I really wanted to go. I mean, everybody was there. I mean, it's 100 degrees right now in Texas, right? It's, it's hot as fuck. It's dead as summer, and all I could think about was... Canada. <laughs> like fucking Canada. Oh, and there's metal too. That'd be awesome. But Canada. Yeah. Like, oh, this is the time of year that you want a vacation. See, I would think that that would be like the here. closest outdoor metal festival to go to. Now that Metallica's thing is sunk and that wasn't oh, even a real that, metal festival of that anyway. Size, you yeah. Mean. yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck. We're not able to get over to whack in and all the cool stuff they got going on uh, out there. So it's like, you want to go to an outdoor festival for metal. There's one choice in North America right now. And if you're going to have a correspondent, there's only one choice. We got him. Metal Sucks. His name is Anzo. Ha <laughs> ha! Hello! How's it going, guys? Good. What's up, dude? Not much. Just rocking and rolling. Anzo is the senior editor here at MetalSucks.net, and he, was, uh, he went up to cover the ground for us. The festival up in Montreal, it's like, I, I keep kind of saying that it's like the best one uh, in North America, and a lot of people come back to me with the kind of the argument that, well, it's not the best lineup. And I don't, I don't even know if that's true because it's kind of hard to, that depends on the person, which lineup you prefer. If you like, for example, Maryland Death uh, Fest, that, something like that. Or New England uh, Metal and Hardcore or... Right. Yeah. There's a lot of pretty potent lineups. So I don't know if you can even give that a word away. And if you did have someone in mind, it probably wouldn't be Heavy Montreal. Maybe they're the second or third best lineup. But overall, the festival is really, truly the best one uh, by, a, by a mile. But what is a, what, you know, what is a metal festival in Canada look like? I mean, I, Americans are just you know, generally kind of angry right now anyway. But <laughs> Canadians are by nature polite and friendly. And Well, in Canada, it's really, it, it looks just like everything else, every yeah. other metal festival that's outside, like a European one or maybe like how Ozfest used to be back in the 90s. It was kind of like that, but people were speaking French, and that, that never stops freaking you out. <laughs> um, you see like a kind of a, like a old, kind of used up, wrinkly kind of bar hag, and she kind of sidles up to you, and you think she's going to be like, hey, how you doing? But instead she starts speaking, oh, you're like, whoa, geez, that's weird. Somehow that's sexy all of a sudden. I don't know. That's, yeah, you're hot. Whoa. That was crazy. How'd you do that? Freaking twisted. But, um, the point of Heavy Montreal is the uh, the venue. Uh, the venue, the place where the show is, uh, is just dynamite. It's beautiful. I mean, when you're when you're in a when you're at a festival that's like in a little room with no windows, the, the lineup has to be perfect. It has to be great. You, you need constant entertainment and and constant distraction from the fact that you're standing around with mostly guys in a dirty room somewhere in Baltimore or whatever. When you're outside, the lineup isn't everything. Um, you, you, you're hanging out in a park. That itself is entertainment. Plus, uh, girls are a little hornier at the park, I find. <laughs> when they so get outside, yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All six of them. <laughs> well, no, there were a lot of girls, especially wow. on the first day when Metallica headlined. There were a lot. Yeah, but they're all, like, 65 or older at this point, no? No, man. It was surprising. A lot of dudes, uh, you know, younger bros, you know, college-age guys in 20s, uh, they brought their girlfriends, and they're 
I talked to their girlfriends. It was great. It was a really good system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. So speaking of young folk, uh, baby metal. Yeah. What's let's the segue verdict? From, let's segue from sexuality to teen girls from Japan. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, we, uh, um, completely nonsense. Hand in hand. <laughs> well, uh, here's my vibe on baby metal. They are, I, I think at a, at a glance, you might think, well, baby metal, that's kind of, that's kind of bad for metal. It, it's kind of, it kind of seems to kind of make a mockery of metal or something like that. But really, baby metal is awesome for the health of heavy metal and for the health of the Heavy Montreal Festival. And here's why. They basically threw down a gauntlet uh, at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the very first day of the festival. They, their band rips. That's part one. There were people there. For the most part, Baby Metal was the band that the highest number of people were experiencing the largest amount of excitement about. Like, they were super pumped to see Baby Metal. Like, other bands throughout the day and the festival itself, they had to live up to Baby Metal because Baby Metal threw it down. And if you're going to get upstaged by a bunch of preteens or teenagers from Japan, you know, that you can't let that happen. So all the bands had to really step up to baby metal isn't that wild that's crazy i love yeah. that it's pretty awesome though I well, mean, all right, so does this end up being like an influence like they're going to be influential to the rest of metal and make live shows interesting again yeah i don't know i don't know that's a good question if anything they're just gonna i, I think there should be more competition i feel like both heavy metal and the nba uh, professional basketball my two things they're a little too friendly. Everybody's like buds. I think there should be a little more competition. And nothing, I mean, Municipal Waste, when they played a few hours after Baby Metal, they made mention of it. They're like, they ripped it up. People were going crazy. A guy fell out of a tree. Uh, it was it was super great. And then, you know, after it ended, people, the crowd kind of roared. And uh, the singer of Municipal Waste, Tony Foresto, was like, take that, Baby Metal. Like, you know, it was on people's minds. So I thought it was really good. Plus, they were like the only girls there. They, there were no girls on stage at all. Uh, I think there was. I think there's a girl in Epica, but other than that, it was all males. There, we needed like a lacuna coil or a blood command or mortals punch, something like that. But baby metal was was the female contingent for the festival, pretty much. Hmm. And did the the fans? Do they? Do you feel self conscious watching baby metal, or is it? You know, we're oh, yeah. a release. Oh, no, it's so embarrassing. They're, they're good. <laughs> they're, they're, they're good. You know, the songs are good. You know it's J-pop, you know. I mean, that's yeah. in my head, you know. Yeah, it sticks in your head. The first thing I heard coming through the gates, that screeching that song about chocolate, and that just stuck in my head, like, every quiet moment I had. Um <laughs> So it is a little embarrassing, and you know, it, it it brings out a lot of emotions in you. You have to kind of parse through all the weird emotions you feel uh, while you're watching Baby Metal. You're like, this is just so weird, and I don't get what are they talking about, and what's yeah, that I, outfit. I, I, th- I think I've finally come to the acceptance stage at this point, where I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, but if you they know. when if I go to see them live, I'm standing near the back of the room. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I, I kind of want to get the experience I up front. I man. don't know. Yeah, I know, but I wouldn't want to like put my fist in the air, or you know. Yeah. You just don't want pictures of yourself putting your fist <laughs> in the air to baby metal. That's all. Yeah, it doesn't take baby metal for that. 
Uh, baby metal is embarrassing. There's no two ways about it. And that's what kind of garners that negative reaction from some people. It's embarrassing. But that's fine. Fucking lots of shit is embarrassing. Dude, Twisted Sister, they're old as fuck. It's super embarrassing to watch them. <laughs> so, but I hear that yeah. they were great. They are great. And you know what? They're another band that is good for the health of a heavy metal festival. You have to tip your cap to the bookers, the booking, the talent bookers for Heavy Montreal because they went out and they got a big, dumb, loud band that shouts slogans and they got, uh, as they say, the party started. Like, Twisted Sister was on day two, so you have to picture it's like 7 o'clock, nice and sunny. The only bands that played next were Lamb of God and then Slayer. Um, So Twisted Sister like, got everybody super amped with all those chanty songs they have about, you know, wanting to rock. They're not going to take it, you know. Yeah, not listen to your bullshit, and you're going to burn in hell. I don't really get that one, but it's a good jam. So, yeah, it was, they were, they were fucking great. And girls take their tops off a lot, and Dee Snyder, the singer of Twisted Sister, he, he took his off, too. He just went for it. Well, he looks like he's in shape. I'd like to see him with his top off. I mean, the dude had, like, a tan. <laughs> he was all muscular. I mean, yeah. he's, like, 88 or something, but he right, right. kills it. He was, he was the closest... You know, after baby metal, he was the feminine thing on stage. <laughs> uh, and that was without the clown makeup, right? Yeah, they were very good. People were going nuts. Yeah. And you know what's it amazing about like that whole era of rock? I mean, there aren't that many bands from that era that could open up for Lamb of God. Still to this day. I know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Twisted Sister, man, there were ones I would kill to see. It was great. And the funny thing was, is from the stage, the. The one guitar player, um, is his name J.J. French? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, he's, he, ex- he owns the whole he thing. Explained, he's like, we are so metal. We we played, he was uh, explaining that Twisted Sister had just played like 16 hours before in like the Netherlands or something. Wow. And had to get on a plane, you know, right off the stage there to get to Heavy Montreal where they walked right onto the stage from, you know, traveling. So they were uh, probably half delirious, but they, they ripped. It was great. And it was awesome. very funny, too. And I having did... having missed uh, Dee Snyder's, the, the radio show, the weekly radio show that he hosts, having missed that, uh, you know, that, that Sunday morning, it was great to hear Dee's voice anyway. It was kind of like, evened it out for me. Then you mentioned something about some weird Lamb of God visuals. So I guess it was right after that. What? what... That was the biggest, I mean, there were there were very funny moments at the fest, uh, but there was one really bummer moment. The, the biggest, like, unfunny thing was Lamb of God's crazy video screens. They were showing kind of ministry-style, you know, faces of death news footage, just really dark shit, uh, right after Twisted Sister. <laughs> so everyone's face just kind of fell, like, oh... That guy's getting beat to death by uh, some other guy in a uniform. And, oh, look at that guy's on fire. And, oh, that guy just got dropped off something. And it's just like, wow, it's really, I don't know what Lamb of God is so angry about. I mean, Randy's out. He's free. Like, <laughs> he should be happy. And, you know, rainbows and shit. I mean, come on. <laughs> He's busy editing his autobiography right now. That'll piss anybody off. But, yeah. I, I mean, is it a case of, like, if they're in a theater, they're headlining, they get a bunch of, like, you know... It would play differently? Yeah. It was a bit of a miscalculation, yeah. yeah. It, it bummed everybody out. And Slayer played next, and they have that really 
for lack of a better term, let's call it intensity or whatever, that weird Slayer mystique and intensity, uh, even with with Hanneman gone, you know, and Lombardo elsewhere, uh, they still have that. But it's not depressing like Lamb of God's whole vibe was. And I'm talking, like, throughout the set, it was pictures, you know, imagery of great suffering and pain. And I was like, come on, man. Dude, what are you doing this to me? I've, I've got a girl here. She's got a, <laughs> got a to get laid, bro. Come on, man. Yeah. I got this nice hotel room. I, I <laughs> pot, you know, I, I got, I almost got stuck up in the park, but I did buy pot. So everything was cool. Why are you showing me this, man? You're, you're crushing my vibe. So it was tough. I mean, it's one thing if it's carcass, you know, you sort of expect mm-hmm. that when you reek of putrefaction, but you know, lamb of God, you're like, well, Hmm. So, so all right, we got the unfunniest thing. It's Lamb of God, right? So right. What, what, what's the funniest thing that happened? I'm not a fan of this particular band, but they, they, there was something very, very cute, very endearing, and very funny that happened. And it wasn't just me who noticed it, because everybody around me, uh, when it happened, was really cracking up. And it's not going to sound like too much here on the Metal Sucks podcast, but... It actually was really adorable. It was hate breed. I, I Jamie Josta, I don't really have any traction with him. Like he just kind of seems like this slogan machine, and I've never really connected to him. But here he is up on stage, and hate breed is doing their thing, and people are going crazy. It's going great, and the camera cuts to a young lady in the audience who was uh, uh, showing her uh, her boobs to everybody. And it must have caught Jamie Josta's eye, because when the camera, the monitors returned to Jamie up there singing, suddenly he's shouting these words, like, out of a smile. Like, his mouth is formed into, like, this kind of embarrassed smile while he's singing. And everybody around me just started cracking up, because it was super cute. Like, and at that moment, I decided, wait a minute, I I, I do like Jamie Josta. I I was neutral, (laughs) now I like him. He saw those boobs and he thought, ha ha, whoa. Yeah, titties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. there were a lot. There were, there were a lot of them. Wow. Um, and I mean, it, was, you know, as a hardcore guy, you know, the, you don't see a lot of that. You know, so you're like, yeah, yeah right. You see a lot of dude nips, but not a lot of <laughs> totally. chick nips. <laughs> it sounds like it was an awesome time, man. That was, that was, there's very few festivals that I actually enjoy. I'm not a never been a festival guy, but that one was one that actually it, it sounded like it would be appealing to me. First off, you know, being in Canada and not being yeah. in the heat, the dead heat of summer, <laughs> that had to be awesome. First off, but you know, like you're saying, the park thing and it's just so huge, big bands, a lot of different variety. It sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was, and you know, I I, I just so it's totally clear. I'll state it again. You really, this was the result of very careful. Uh, and very uh, dedicated people. Um, this was a really classy do. The lineup was great. The setup and production was all great. It was really, I, I'm not saying that for their benefit. I'm saying this to the metalhead who's wondering, why are we talking about Heavy Montreal? I don't live anywhere near there. It's going to cost me an arm and a leg to fly out there and then get a room. But I'm telling you, if you're going to spend an arm and a leg on anything, you know, tattoos or motorcycle, whatever, 
take yourself out there and just have a killer jam. And you'll see me there. We'll smoke pot. It'll be great. <laughs> Good guys. Thanks, Ansel. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. You guys have a super awesome day. Next up, we have our feature interview with Jason McMaster. Of course, you may know him from Watchtower, uh, Dangerous Toys, some of his local bands, Godzilla Motor Company, Broken Teeth, and presently, Evil United. Jason McMaster on the Metal Sucks Podcast. <laughs> Dude, where to begin? Like, should we just go through, like, your entire history? Or do you just want to talk about now? We can do whatever you guys want, because... Uh, I mean, we obviously got to talk about Evil United. Yes. I mean, that's a, that, that's where you're at right now. And, yeah, that's one, one of, of the things. One of, right. One of the things that's going on. We can talk about that. Yeah. Let's, let's start right there. New record. <laughs> <laughs> Typical musician. Right now. Let's talk about right now. No, we can we can go. I really don't care. At, at eight a.m. ish, I, I don't I don't care about much. Yeah. First off, that's the that, that's where we're at right now. We got uh, we got Jason in the studio at eight in the morning <laughs> because but, it's when we can get studio time these days. But we don't have hammers in our hand. I know. We're not on the eighteenth floor working construction we're in ac talking about metal exactly that's uh, that's, that's pretty good <laughs> yeah we were talk- uh, there was some guy we were talking to and he's like yeah man i gotta play a double set i think this is with the dude from between the Barry and me yeah gotta play a double set afterwards i'm exhausted and i'm like yeah every construction worker listening to this right now it's just like i bet you're tired yeah tiny violins but yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i've done i've done that uh you do it a matinee you know you do a, a show for non-drinkers you know and then you do like an old guy set. <laughs> and uh, that's taxing. You do like three days of that in a row at one club. And and you know what? You get good. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get good quick. You know, you, you could hurt yourself a little bit, but. but it's one hell of a workout. It's, yeah. You got to pace. It wasn't you the, pace. the Beatles in Germany. Didn't they do like six hour sets for like six days a week or something like yeah, that? that? It was like that's, crazy. Like I said, you get good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you get good. I mean, uh, for, for people who think the Beatles are good, you get good. Yeah. <laughs> are you saying the Beatles are not good? No, I'm saying that the Beatles are fantastic. That's why they got good. Just and checking. broke down all the walls, yeah. so much so that people just refuse to look because they really do deserve the credit when mm-hmm. you look at history. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of history, ah, segue, look at me. Yeah. Like, dude, when I was going through, I was like, okay, can I name everything that Jason McMaster has done? Like the like the big the the big stuff starting with Watchtower because because right. because I, I mean I, I want to make sure that it kind of is put in perspective for our audience as far as you know who exactly you are sure uh, yeah Watchtower uh, Dangerous Toys uh, let's see then we move into Broken Teeth Godzilla Motor Company uh, wait, you know, let me keep going uh, Igniter and Evil United yeah you did you did really good is that my that's minus the the like the cover projects or the tribute stuff too. Well, there's I I did a record uh, and a and a uh, basically I could say a tour I guess on guitar with a band called uh, an industrial metal band when that was even words you could put together. Right. Uh, I guess it's still a thing uh, called Terminal Forty Six. Oh yeah, and I remember the, that. And at, the, at that same time, I was in uh, I was playing bass for a band called uh 
the Union Underground. From San Antonio. Correct. Yeah. That that I showcased with them, and they got a deal, and uh, I basically gave the gig to John Moyer. Yeah. Of Disturbed fame now. Now, now yeah. Disturbed, and as well as many, many other things, who's a great, incredible addition to music he's a he's a terribly nice guy yes he is a terribly nice guy (laughs) like every time he's he's talented too and he's got the right energy and that's why he's successful i think what do you attribute to your longevity man i mean you've been around for so long and i'm in love i mean still doing it i'm in love with it the whole idea metal or music or Uh, both well when i found when i realized that i liked you know, heavy, loud, you know, you know, you, it's it's like, why does someone like comic book, superhero comic books? It's the same thing. So put all that together. I found Kiss. Uh, I grew up on Queen and Elton John mm. and just really uh, things that were bombastic. And I didn't know that they were really bombastic. And uh, as soon as I saw Kiss, it was, you know, I went from elton john and queen to kiss and then in kiss i kind of like it it speared off to you know a ufo and thin lizzie ted nugent uh you know rush and what we consider it, classic rock now correct guess, yeah. but but it, when that i'm was, growing i mean i'm yeah. old so it's kind of like you know that that was heavy metal back yeah. then and they didn't call it heavy metal everything was just rock and roll yeah and I'm fine with that. I still say rock and rock and roll. Yeah, I still say <laughs> rock and roll because it is it is that. I I think that I think that I'm. You know, you say longevity. It's like what the hell else am I going to do? You know what I mean? Because this is you. You're either in or you're not in. You know, I think about the people who, you know, say things like. Oh man, yeah, yeah, you're into heavy metal, you're in a band and stuff. Yeah, I used to like heavy metal. What? Hold on a second. I used to like heavy metal. What does that mean? It's like, were you the guy that bought Back in Black so you could get more friends at school? Or did you buy Back in Black because it was your Bible? So yeah. There's no difference to me. Well, and that's the, you know, the idea that, uh, that you're supposed to grow out of it. You know, the especially metal stuff. You know, people tell me, oh, well, how can you, you still listen to that? You know, you used, used to listen to that in high school or that, you know, and then you're supposed to grow out of it's right. a phase. Right. And it's for, for the young. I don't know if that's entirely true. <laughs> At least I don't think so anyway. Well, just like there's there's uh, fully grown people, well, I, I'll just say o- older folk who are still into comic books. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing is, uh, you know, collecting antique ceramic figurines <laughs> since you were 12 and now you're 80. You know, it's, it's the same. It could be the same thing. Whatever you're into is it's it's you're you're either. A, I don't know. Maybe the creature of habit is what I'm trying to say. But I don't think that it's habit. I think that it's it's just part of who you are. And uh you you love it and and it, uh, let's hope it's not the only thing you can talk about at dinner yeah. but but let's you know because you want to be a, an intelligent human being nah. uh and uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, it's overrated yeah. Yeah. whatever you're man well, it seems like yeah. it seems like one of the most exciting things about the genre is the way that it it just continues to 
you know morph and permeate all these different little Mm -hmm. things and and we see that in your career you know the way that you go from thrash to industrial to rock to i mean just you've 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 run the gamut and like last night i'm listening to like this like just nothing but gent and it's like thank goodness it did something new again you know and Mm -hmm. you can't say that about a lot of genres right you know what i love about things in metal is like there's always something new like you say gent and I say, what, the sign on the wall? That means restroom, right, <laughs> gents? So, I, I uh, you know, like I said, it goes back to it's just rock and roll, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it just rock and roll? Yeah. Like you're saying, it's like you can take uh, the heaviest metal band. Like Venom is a almost like when you think about what they did and put it in perspective and you break it down they're like a cock rock band but it's a it's punk rock and it's this new thing that's black metal that's rock and roll yeah but but you tell like someone who's into black metal like seriously into black metal you say the things that i just said to them and they don't want to hear that blasphemy blasphemy right 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 right. oh yeah you you know and they wouldn't even know what the word blasphemy meant (laughs) until they read venom lyrics or merciful fate lyrics once again another band that's a rock and roll band yeah merciful fate is a rock and roll band i don't care what anybody (laughs) says it's not gent. It's not new. It's not. They're just classic rock and roll. It's sure it's evil and has you know Frankie Valley on vocals, but <laughs> you know it's uh, there. You know bands like that is still bands that I like and listen to. It's like Venom and Merciful Fate because, like you were saying, they they spawned they they spored off their own influences and changed it their own way without even thinking about it. That's the beautiful thing. Uh, do you think that kind of you know trying to label things and put things in their little boxes? That's something that is. I mean, it it can be way too cumbersome sometimes. But do you think it's a bad thing or do we need? I mean, it's all rock and roll, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like <sighs> kids want to. They need a little notch next to sure iTunes that says it is this. Well, because they want to be cool. Is that what it is? I mean, I do you think, think so. it's I just think about that, I think that the tastemakers and bad media slang, you know, putting things into boxes so you know, you'll know what part of the store to be in to buy your clothes is kind of what what that turns into. And that's sad, but but I think that the way that we think now because of those tastemakers and people just kind of trying to you know, sell you something is uh is just where we're at and that's fine that's okay but you just need to you need to be able i think that things like what we, you guys are doing here will pour some thinner on that and make them learn the history and see see what's really what it really is that they're putting in their ears i'm just hoping to create a whole new sub 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 group of people <laughs> that's all i'm do we need here. okay because we need that <laughs> i'm gonna we create can we do subgroups of podcasts uh, like metal sucks podcast uh, listeners yeah we can subgroup that out <laughs> into some other subgroup that can define this because to me it's all it's it, all metal it's not an argument you know, it's all it's not yeah. even an argument i'm not angry i'm not yeah. you know sure i could i could pee on it you know, I could I could care less, but it is where it's where we are, and that's okay. Whatever whatever makes the kids feel cool now when they say they're into something, that's that's all that it's turned into. Yeah, 
and you know the the people who are critics who you know put words together and somebody reads it and oh oh that's the new coin phrase for this sub 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 genre of of something that's really just guitars bass and drums which is rock and roll yeah so so with watchtower were you trying to do something that you knew was thrash or were you trying to do something that people threw that label on i don't want to discredit myself because i i i will pat my back pat my own back for for just being there uh cutting my teeth on a band that to what you're saying created a new genre without i mean dude 17 years old year old kids in the garage playing their favorite bands you know playing covers by their favorite bands is how everybody starts but when there's some wonder kind going on and you don't really know because you're it's your peers you know it's like a bunch of teenagers in the garage with long hair playing loud it's, it's hard that's to see that's all, all you can yeah. you don't see it you don't see it and then it was like one it's like one of those you know little did we know later on pundits and critics and whoever would say oh the pioneers of progressive thrash metal you know and it's like what <laughs> we did what <laughs> we were just playing rock and roll yeah uh, i have to give it to uh billy white and doug keezer and rick Colaluca, who really they wrote the tune they 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 created this thing and i'd never heard anything like it and I was just lucky to be there. And I learned so much from those those guys, those players. And they were just so naturally motivated by I mean, we were, it was a bunch of it was a bunch of teenagers that I mean, we got together like three times a week and played for hours. We probably played, you know, at least six hours a week just just playing Iron Maiden and Rush and our own stuff over and over and oh, because what else are you going to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like right. you got a crappy food service job or, or not, and you and you play in a heavy metal band, rock and roll band, and you went to work and you tried to – you look forward to the shows that you were putting together. You know, Watchtower started in May – well, with my involvement, with, in May of 1982 – Whoa. And they already had a bunch of original material. They were way ahead of the world, mm-hmm. e- especially my world. When I walked in, I was, you know, uh, trivia, no one really knows this unless you've read some old interviews. The, the first song I ever sang with Watchtower was Motorcycle Man by Saxon. <laughs> Just to put it in some kind of perspective, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, we, right after that was a victim of changes by Priest. And, you know, I mean, I, I looked at a set list they had. Uh, it, it, the, it's, a, it's an interesting story and kind of fun if you'll let me tell it. It's, I was at, believe it or not, Saxon opening for Molly Hatchet March 17th of 82 at Palmer Auditorium here St. in Austin, Patty's Texas. Day. That's right. And uh, got a T-shirt. <laughs> it was Strong Arm of the Law, and I, bl- I want to say it was Saxon's first tour of the U.S., and me, me and all my friends were all totally, totally into it. There was some people talking about this this guy. Hey, you see that guy over there? He's, he's like 16, and he 
can play Eruption. You know, he's oh, he's so good on guitar and blah blah blah. And I'm like, hmm. And I was I was with my friend Mike Solis, who ended up uh, singing for the thrash band from here called Militia. Me and Mike are just hanging and having a great time. Anyway, so we see Saxon, and we end up finding out from some other dudes that were hanging with Saxon earlier at their hotel. So we went to Saxon's hotel. We didn't even watch Molly Hatchet. That's kind of lame, but we didn't even watch them. And and we just we just we just went to the hotel and went out to the the you know the deck by the pool and and Biff and Nigel Paul Quinn the guitar player all came out and just sat with us for hours and hours and they brought they brought they knew we were kids right they brought orange juice and they were just the cool it was the it was my first like. I'm hanging out with what I call rock stars, yeah. right? And that that was just the coolest thing. We'd been out there an hour and a half or so. It's midnight. Anybody got a got a watch? You know, got a watch? Yeah, it's midnight right now. I said it's my birthday. The 18th is my birthday. And some other guy across the table that I just met that night leans over and goes, "Really? It's mine too." That dude, his name's Eric Pauly. He's still like one of my greatest friends. <laughs> And we met right there at that moment, you know, same birthday, same age, same everything, it just just because – and that's metal because there's that – you have some kind of weird connection, right? So, uh, yeah. And that must make it all feel, like, possible and real when you've got these rock stars sitting there with you. You know what I mean? It's not the poster on your wall anymore. Yeah, and, you know, the thing – they weren't new at this. They had already had a handful of records out. Saxon mm-hmm. was one of the bands that, you know, the first time they had a bunch of stuff. I mean, Metallica wasn't even a, almost barely a band yet when mm-hmm. you kind of put it in perspective. And uh, so it's, it, you know, it's 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 been around a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, but I guess I guess what I'm sort of drawn to is like, is it at that moment where you go, I can do this and I can do this yeah. forever? Uh, it sounded like I was ending the story, and I wasn't. The kid that they were that these people were talking about, like just out in the parking lot at the at the Saxon Molly Hatchet show, was Billy White from Watchtower. That was May of '82, March of '82. I was in the band with that guy, mm-hmm. and how that happened was is the band that me and Mike Solis had. He was playing drums, I was playing bass. We had just started singing, and we were terrible. We had auditioned kids coming in. Wow, this guy calls himself a singer, and we're looking at each other, going, "We're not even singers, and we kill this guy. Get out of the way, you know." We so that's a we. I had been singing maybe six months by the time I joined Watchtower. We had some guys kind of jump ship, and I don't blame them. And uh, I I saw a, a card at Ray Henning's Heart of Texas Music, uh, South Lamar, and it said Watchtower was hand drawn, had this dragon on. I was like, "Oh, that's oh, that's killer!" <laughs> and it had their phone numbers on there, which. I wouldn't put my phone number on anything these days. You know, <laughs> had, had their phone numbers on, and I just cold called it. I was like, "Hey, man, yeah, you don't know me from Adam, and I'm just kind of know, calling to see if you know anybody that plays guitar because it looks like you guys know what's going on." And I'm fairly new. I had moved here from Corpus in '81, summer of '81, so I was new. I didn't know a whole lot of people, and I'm looking for a guitar player. And there, you know, they, Billy was on the phone, and he was like, "Dude, you should just come over. Just come over and hang out." And I was like, "Really? Okay, cool." So, 
I went over and and uh, met him, and we jammed a little bit. And as soon as I heard him play guitar, I put down my bass. I was like, "Yeah, I, you don't want to hear me play." <laughs> and he just blew my mind. And a, a week later, I was in the band. He he, uh, they already had a singer. They invited me to a rehearsal to just check it out. He, their singer didn't show up. Blues for that guy, yeah, right? Oh. Because because a week later they called me and they were like, because you know, like the microphone is right there. It's like, wow, your singer's not showing up, man. That's too bad. Oh, I really, shucks. really wanted. It's to. like that old Woody and Allen line: ninety percent of success is just showing up. Right, <laughs> right. I just, I just, uh, truthfully, from the heart, I was there to hear this awesome band that I'd never heard before. Just play whatever Iron Maiden. I don't care. Play something. But these guys were jamming. And the more they jammed without their singer, I was they were playing their own stuff and I'm going, Holy crap. After like an hour, they were like, dude, just sing something. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. They showed me a list and it was on. Man. A week later they called me and said, You wanna so we just kicked out our singer. We just loaded up his stuff and put it on the porch and <laughs> rang the doorbell. And I'm like, No, you didn't. <laughs> like, yes, we did. I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> That's either really wussy or very metal, <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, and, and <laughs> that's funny. That's that's like the burning turd. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's like I'm the fire. Yeah, right that's like the burning turd. Yeah, right. And I said, I said, wow, I, you know, that's weird because I knew they were awesome and they were better than the band I was in already. So I took it and ran. I, uh, it was weird just singing, and I was used to playing bass. It was weird. So I literally cut my teeth on Watchtower. So so do you ever think about what would have happened if that dude would have stayed in the band, like if, the, if that opportunity never would have arose? You think about that kind of stuff, yeah. huh? It's like, what if Philip Anselmo wouldn't have joined Pantera? I mean, just those, like, wow. Is it just... We don't want worshiping exhorter. Well, one of those kids... Right. Just one of those kids. <laughs> that, that's moments, fine, right? too. Yeah. yeah. That's fine, too. <laughs> but I mean, it's just one of those moments. Your life would be completely different. Yeah. Right. It'd be insane. So yeah. We, yours would, too. Yeah. Yeah. So when you—that's what you meant. When Watchtower first started playing gigs, obviously you guys were doing something different. How did metal fans react? How did people react when you guys hit the stage? The first gigs we we were doing were just keggers. It, it was like three hour sets of everything we knew because. It was you just know, a party it, band. It wasn't yeah. about money. You're a kid. Yeah. You don't care about money. Yeah. You know, we were all kind of straight edge, you know, so it wasn't about a party or anything. It was just like, well, we get to do this in front of people? Awesome. You know, maybe it was starvation for adulation or just love of the game or a little bit of both. And, you know, we get to get it out of the garage? Awesome. You know, it was that. And it was a spectacle. We would... We would build risers and, you know, funky light shows, Radio Shack wire and whatever. You know, we, it was fun. It was just a blast. And those, those parties are super memorable. There's old timers around here. It's like, man, I used to go to all of those. And I'm like, whoa. You know, it's like freaks me out when someone comes up and goes, yeah, you don't know me, man, but I went to like Travis High School and whoa, dude, you guys changed my life. You know, and it was those parties that, kind of literally created a metal scene in Austin. Uh, because when I moved here, there was no metal. There was no hard rock. There was, you know, uh, a metal band in um, in Austin in 81 was like a band that played Pat Travers and Rush covers or something. <laughs> and that was, as, that was as dark as I thought that it got. 
we learned how to throw our own shows <clears throat> excuse me from from Chris Gates if you know who Chris Gates is he was in the big boys he was in poison 13 uh, Big Boys are the band that wrote the song Fun, 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 which mm. Fun, Fun, Fun Fest is named after, which is pretty, that's legend. Yeah. yeah. That's big stuff going on there. That's stuff to think about. And um, he was also the guitarist in Junkyard. You know, he, he saw the band. We played with his bands. We played with MDC. Uh, we played, he got us gigs with with like early 80s hardcore bands and stuff because Watchtower wasn't just a rock and roll band. We were everything. We were nothing. We were weird and different. I learned how to make a poster. I learned where to put a poster. Just the, the simple basic thing that a new band should know, I learned from him. And uh, tons of credit to him. Uh, he got us in contact with uh, with uh, people who ran the Ritz downtown, which is now an Alamo draft house. Some of the greatest moments in my life were on the stage in the Ritz down on 6th Street. We would get college kids, you know, thick glasses and hundreds of people standing there with their arms crossed. And then we would get, like, hardcores that were just – mosh pit because you you can't dance to what we're doing there's no yeah man groovy <laughs> because it's you know it's you know uh it's it's band instruments falling down the stairs in time <laughs> and with screaming demon over it right so what you know an angry getty lee with three balls i don't know <laughs> whatever i've been called a thousand things and those are the nice things <laughs> the uh the idea behind watchtower was not to, you know, oh, that's not weird enough. They just wrote things that worked, and it wasn't, you know, we weren't, it wasn't this big attempt to try to create a new genre. Like I said earlier, it was totally uh, natural for these guys, and I owe them a lot of credit. Yeah. So was it, with, with every act that you've done, have, did you go in with the same intention, or do you have different bands with diff that you have different intentions or do you always walk in empty page it goes back to the backyard party you're doing it <clears throat> you're doing it because this stuff is talking to you you know you don't you're not doing it to set out on a new venture just to because oh, i'm bored of this crap i want to do something new it's no 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 uh you know you want to help your friends out you know i've never had to truly in the in the the definition by definition audition for anything it's just been my friends you know like they'll lose their singer or something and they'll just entertain the idea and if they play me the material and it kicks my ass i'm probably going to do the record with them yeah you know what i mean horror or not call it whatever you want but <laughs> you know uh that's how evil united happened in a roundabout way, the story I just told about Watchtower, it's kind of how, how that happened. And so I'm extremely charmed and lucky in, that I've never had to – I've been offered auditions, Pantera, Skid Row, Dark Angel. I mean, some badass shoes I could go in and, and hang and, – and probably sink my teeth into, but – what you know the thing you know trying to be loyal to what i had already started and tried to finish 
is hard. I, th- I think the hardest thing I've ever done was was leave Watchtower to join Dangerous Toys. But the opportunities and the fun that you're having and where you are in your life, you know, you make decisions like that. And you could say that it paid off in, in, in many different ways. Um, and I no regrets so because what, it's what, all rock and roll. What, yeah. what, I had a good, great time. It still moved you forward. I mean, it still got you – the, sure. The, it was the next step. Yeah. And what was the process? Didn't, cha- what, didn't, what change, didn't change anything. What? What was the process from Watchtower to Dangerous Toys? Billy White quit Watchtower in 86. His last show with the band was at Mabuhe Gardens uh, on Broadway in San Francisco, California. Uh, Marty Friedman was at the show. I had been talking to him. We knew Billy was going to leave the band. I was fishing for Marty to maybe do some stuff with Watchtower. No disrespect to Marty, but he tried to steal Doug and Rick from me. Uh, no disrespect. Yeah. I mean, once again, we're still it, kids. We're still kids, right? Yeah. But, you know, he I guess he didn't like my voice. I kind of don't blame him. You know, the, the palate that you have to have for what I'm doing, especially in Watchtower, it's not like this bluesy vocal. You know, when you think of... When you think of like what was happening right now, Ingve Malmsteen had a couple records out, and and he was like a Deep Purple vibe, you know, neoclassical thing, and maybe Marty Friedman was a little thrashier than that in in his band Hawaii and whatever else he he was doing in the early '80s. But he was just entertaining that idea of you know, it's like man, these guys are sick. I should at least go talk to them and maybe get in with them and. It's just fun to say Marty Friedman tried to steal my rhythm section. You know, that's all it is. I love Marty Friedman. I, you know, anything that guy does is awesome. So, so I get back and you know the 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 only true answer, truthfully, and the only reason I was talking to Mike Varney, if there's anybody in the world knows who that is, he's Mike Varney is this guy from Northern California that had a, a label called Shrapnel Records, and he discovered, he brought Ingve over to the U.S., mm-hmm. and he uh, exposed uh, hot shot guitar players and wrote columns in guitar magazines, and he was, uh, he's a guitar player himself, and, but he sort of exposed the world to that kind of over-the-top guitar playing. And so he was a go-to guy to get a guitar player, and he was a fan of the band, and we had been pen pals and stuff. So um, if anybody knows what that is, <laughs> I used to be pen right. pals with James Hetfield. Is that what knows what actual that pen? Is. Is that yeah, pen and paper, write things, and li- licking stamps. And they, there was no self-adhesive. Was it, it was licking stamps. Stamps are just stickers, right? They yeah. Just it, steam it, no, no. Well, kind of. You have to lick and <laughs> oh, stick. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Ron Jarzombek if you guys know who that is, was in a band called San Antonio Slayer. Uh, S.A. Slayer. S.A. Slayer. And um, who, this is crazy to even think, but it's it's a a dum-dum that that Don Van Stavern is the bass player from S.A. Slayer. He's in Evil United. We're talking lots of history. We had had done tons of shows with S.A. Slayer. We were peas in a pod and all that stuff. So, and Ron was this technically efficient cyborg computer weird. If you've heard any of his stuff, I was going to say you can't just leave it at efficient. He is like 
Yeah. It's out of control. You can't even describe it. I yeah, know. anything. Just Google Ron Jarzombeck and you you will you will die from guitar wizardry. You know, when you think of 86 and you're calling Ron, hey, dude, Billy's leaving. You Can you please just jump in? Just jump in because he's really the only guy in Texas at that time that we that we would even imagine being able to pull it off. There was a no brainer, no audition. Just dude, just please come up here and jump in. And it took a little prodding. His first show, eventually he did. You know, the the thing with Marty was it's just kind of fun to talk about now. But October of eighty seven, uh, by that time I had been sort of moonlighting and just doing cover songs, rock and roll cover songs with a bunch of younger kids around town and having fun with that, keeping myself busy and working on my voice and whatever, you know, rock and roll, man. Woo! Uh, I got a call from these guys that used to be called Onyx, and they had a girl singer that called herself Onyx, and they were like a sort of a regional touring cover band. They had some original stuff, but, you know, it was a mix. And they'd go, like, up to Memphis. They'd play their way to Memphis or Nashville and play their way back. And they weren't getting along with her. And they'd been around a few years. And they were, like, the house band at a bar called The Back Room in Austin, Texas, which is now the new Emos, refurbished, of course. And you can call uh, it that. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pole is still there. I know. The pole, the is, pole still there. is still there. They called me to basically fill in for gigs that they didn't want to cancel because that's how they ate. And I was like, that sounds fun. They had heard me doing these gigs with these other punters, I guess you could say. And uh, and they said, hey, man, just come do that with us, you know, for a little while. And I was like, sure, man. So I went and started playing with those guys, but – I said, you can't call it Onyx. You need a band name. Got to come up with something. And they were like, hey, I, I you know, they, I got this band called London. I think Nikki Six used to be in that band or something. Nader DePriest is the singer. And they were coming through. Uh, London was playing at the back room. My first show with Dangerous Toys uh, was opening for London at the back room. But they, you know, they're on the phone and I'm overhearing the conversation and it's like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. Hey, hold on a minute. Hey, dude, we need a band name. What are we going to call ourselves? You know what I mean? It's, it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, see, was that Scott, weren't you talking about? Yeah, something like, you know, bad boys make dangerous toys. Yeah, that was what I was talking about. Hey, dangerous toys. Yeah, that'll work. Go ahead. We were messing around. It stuck. It stuck. It's a great name. It stuck, <laughs> right? You're going to be known by your biggest mistakes. You know, you, if you step in something, you may have a hard time getting it off. You know, um, so that's that was that was sort of a transition there. Six months after that date with London at the back room, six months in March of '87, we it was the second annual brand new thing that we had never heard of called South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. And Jim Ramsey, rest in peace, who booked the back room, was calling us. Yeah, man. Hey, we. I want you to play this festival. I got a slot for free. It's on a Sunday night. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, dude, we just played there Friday and Saturday. You want us to play on a Sunday? Yeah, man. Just come do this thing. You know, it's come to what? South by what? 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 Never heard of it before. And we got talked into it. 
And we went, we, so we went down and played this thing called South by Southwest. We'd never heard of it. Playing covers and cursing and causing all kinds of trouble. It was a blast, <laughs> right? It was a Sunday night. There's about 10 or 15 people in the club. And we play a set, I don't know, 40 minutes. We played covers. I was just, we didn't give a crap. We were bad attitude. It wasn't our greatest moment. It was a Sunday. We had just played the Friday or something to a packed house there. We, we lived there, right? Maybe we were a little bit jaded or something because, you know, Sunday, this is what this room looks like on a Sunday. You know, <laughs> this little lady named Celine Armbeck walks up to me after the show. And says, uh, "Hi, I'm Celine. I'm I'm from Los Angeles. I'm here for the festival, and uh, and you guys are amazing. And I work, <clears throat> excuse me, I work for SBK Songs, a publishing company. And I want to talk some business. Who, you know, can we go somewhere and talk about business? And I was like." I was kind of rude to her, actually, because I ended up saying, you know, I'm not even in this band. I'm in this thrash band, this weird thrash band called Watchtower. But they're right there. You can go talk to them. You know, they're 10 feet away. It just kind of disappeared. My phone blew up the next day like, dude, that lady was for real. Yeah. There's 50 grand on the table right (laughs) now for a publishing deal. It's like at the same time. We had been getting calls. The girl I was dating at the time, she had sent a cassette tape, if anybody knows what that is. They're, uh, they're back in now. So. Right, right. Yeah. Wa- Watchtower on one side and Dangerous Toys, a live show of Dangerous Toys on the other side. We did a local licks, local licks, yeah. KLBJ yeah. thing. Yeah. And then it was the 87 demos of Watchtower uh, on the other on the other side. So by the time that you know all of this was being talked about, there was new demos from Watchtower with Ron on guitar, and we had done this live thing with KOBJ, Local Licks, and my girl had sent a tape to an intern friend of hers at a at a management company in Los Angeles and called Tapco Entertainment at the time. I think they're called Union Entertainment, and they manage Nickelback. The guy that actually managed ended up managing us from Tapco, now Union Entertainment. He's still involved, but he doesn't really have anything to do with Nickelback, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Nickelback fans. All of that was rolling like on a dime. We told Celine from SBK Songs, she's from L.A. It's like, do you know Tim Heine? No, I don't know who or what that is. He, you know, you're a manager in Los Angeles, and you manage Y and T, and you know, you 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 you're part of a booking agency, and blah blah blah. You're kind of a bigwig in L.A., so you get these cassette tapes on your desk, just stacked up yeah. to the ceiling. And his gig was, uh, he would grab three or four of them, and he lived in Ventura. He was on. He lived. His office was in Encino, if you know California. His office was in C- Encino. He lived in Ventura, and he would listen to cassettes. And if they sucked, he threw them out the window. Probably literally <laughs> threw them out the <laughs> window. Mm-hmm. He heard teasing, pleasing, lie off this live tape, and got on his big shoebox '80s cell phone and his his car phone, right? And held it out, you know, three feet off his ear, probably, and was like. 
get these guys on the phone. This is a hit. And that's you know, like, the proverbial, yeah. it's like fantasy. Yeah, that's like, like the shit you see in the music videos. Comic call them up. We need to sign these guys right, right now. It, it happened, it happened kind of like that. Was he smoking that. a big cigar at the no. same time, Amy? No, <laughs> no, no. no. So yeah. were you like, uh, coming from you know your experience in Watchtower, were you just happy to play a party? When this all starts going on, does, is, oh, are you just sort of like sort of not paying too much attention? Or? Right. It was really like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I mean, to fast forward things when when the deal came down and, and everything was, you know, we were being wined and dined. Dude, there was there was they got us. We showcased for all the major labels. Name one from back then. We showcased like seven times for seven different groups of suits and were wined and dined and the whole like you said rock yep. video the whole yeah. like fantasy it all was real and we were just like free food awesome <laughs> you know who what was your name again yeah. who cares Whatever. you know what i mean yeah i mean it was it was you know we were cl- close to holding what what i call holding the cardboard sign on the side of the road we were cl- all close to that i mean these these guys were you know i was flipping bur- i worked at a sonic I worked at a place called Pantera's Pizza. You know, we were just surviving kids, right? Yeah. In our 20s. It was all fantasy and just weird and fleeting. And we had to pinch ourselves and remind ourselves it was fleeting. Free food was like well, really a big deal. Did you realize how fleeting it was like in the middle of it? I mean, did it, I mean, at that moment, I mean, do you feel like you were overwhelmed by it? I mean, oh, over overwhelmed is is a good word because, you know, we I'll be honest and say I'll speak for myself. I didn't know how long it was going to last because you you're learning fast paced. You know, you're still a just a rock and roll kid, you know. You're you know, take five kids who ain't got nothing out who just play rock and roll out of Texas and you know, throw them in a studio in California with the guy that Max Norman produced our first record and he did the Aussie records with yeah. Randy Rhodes. And we, dude, we cover those songs. <laughs> Whoa, you recorded that stuff? You know, just we're just rednecks, just freaking out. And it's like, hello, mate. Oh, I'm Max Norman. You know, you, you get it and you're meeting these people and you're just like, Whoa, dude, Hollywood? We learned so much so fast. We were so green. You know, you think that you know it all. The transition from when, you know, the before the deal really was inked, it was me on the phone with our brand new manager or a guy who wanted to be our manager basically saying, we need, we can't have you do both bands. Conflict of interest, uh, label might have some issues, we, we need to clean this. And it was heartbreaking because we had just gotten Ron Jarzombek in the band, mm-hmm. we had started writing. We were there was there was there were deals for Watchtower, on, and they ended up signing with Noise International. Mm. And um, I I was helping them find singers. You know, there was it was not really amicable, but I was doing everything. Exclamation point uh, to help Watchtower uh, because it was. You know, those that was my that's that's what I that was where I where it began. Never ever left that mentally ever. Was it the guys just being hurt? Yeah, because because I had you know joined here I was doing this cock rock. You know, I was doing this technical wizard wizard (laughs) metal. 
you know, to space jazz metal to, you know, four on the floor, dirty rock and roll, boogie woogie kind of stuff. And it was like a head scratcher to Watchtower fans and dudes in the band and, you know, who just for the record, they like that stuff. Yeah. They really yeah. do like yeah. that. Yeah, they yeah. like Madonna and pop music, <laughs> and people think that oh, Watchtower. They probably just sit around and worship King Crimson all the time. You know, <laughs> not so. Yeah. Not so. If you play that kind of music, chances of you sitting around listening to that kind of it's like, do the guys in Cannibal Corpse listen to Black and Death all the time? <laughs> no, they probably listen to classical music at the library while reading. Love the Carpenters. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can totally see Corpse Grinder getting so into yeah. Karen Carpenter. So it's you know that's a real that's a real thing too. So so you know uh, it was it was just weird and sad and uh, unfortunate that things had to had to work out that way. I mean, in retrospect, I wish I could have done both, and I don't really see any argument as to why I couldn't have done both. Now it's a normal thing. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say nowadays, you got four now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everybody, well, every and everybody. Yeah, you know, I mean, for, just like even on the highest level, you can do a side project. You can do this. You can do that. I mean, we were talking about the between the barrier to me. Yeah. touring with both of his bands you know i mean it seems a much more common now it's renaissance you yeah. can be renaissance i mean gene hoagland plays with everybody it's not just about being a hired gun it's like well i'm doing the fear factory record again but i'm touring with testament yeah. and yeah. it's like a normal thing oh we're gonna do the record and then it's not really a hired gun thing it's like dude if you're the man you're the man you know yeah. if you want to rock there's a door wide open if people love you the doors open you're going to be creative with the people that want to be creative with you and you are as it should be part of that group and part of that band forever even if you're busy making a record and can't be the drummer on the testament tour they're okay with that because they got another guy who they can see what i mean and yeah, yeah. it's like and, and you think about like uh, well, Meg- Megadeth. People come in and out of Megadeth all the time too. Well, maybe not all the time, but period, yeah. right? But a lot of that comes from, like you're saying, that record label thing. When le- record labels had a lot more power over people in bands personally, where it's like we own you. You're in this band, right. and this is how this is going to be, or else right. we're not going to sign this deal. Right. And it seems like that power has shifted. In the right. last 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. you know, quite a bit to where the bands have a little bit more power in respect to that, or the labels have a little less totally, money. So. Totally get what you're saying. The, the, the transition, uh, as we were talking about, is basically I owed the Watchtower guys some money. Like recording time and just you know what I mean. They started turning into business, yeah. and they were like, "Dude, you, you know, you can't just totally, you can't just walk out on us." And it's like, I have this opportunity. And I'm going to do it, and I know that it sucks, and I want – I'll cut myself. What do you want me to do? You yeah. know what I mean? And so it was, it was basically I had to just fill up the the hole that I was leaving uh, financially maybe or the burdens that they may – because I had already – I was already on the horn trying to find them a singer and ultimately did. The guy that they recorded the second record with, Alan Tecchio, from a band called Hades – was a friend of mine, pen pal of mine. I'd never met him face to face. He ended up jumping on a plane and going to Berlin with his Walkman listening to the Watchtower songs, going to go record the record. That's awesome. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of futuristic, too, yeah, right. when you think about it, too. In 19, uh, that would have been 89. That equivalent of sending the MP3 at yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. Put, put a singer on a right. plane and go do the record yeah. for noise in yeah. Berlin. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. pretty cool. I don't know. I think it was like 2500 bucks or something, which was a lot of money back then. And that, as soon as we, I, I, there was a contract that I signed that, 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 uh, that everybody then that I showed, that I gave to the Watchtower guys, it was an agreement that actually said, you know, as soon as the first fat check rolled in and it was, it was, the ink was dry on it, you know, that came off the top. And went to the Watchtower camp. It's pretty amazing that you would do that as a young guy. Well, I'm not going to go f you guys. And I'm not. not, No way. Yeah, there were were tears. You know, it was not. It was not just like f you guys. I'm going to go rock and roll. Yeah, but it's that that sort of same mindset. That's like let's go party. It's the same kind of mindset that goes. Yeah, my phone's not working. You know what I mean? Right. 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 So to be cool well, thank, about it, thank you for saying cool. that. I never even really looked at it like that. It was a no-brainer for me. That's it was great. No, it was an un, you know, I'll I'll walk through the dog poop. I don't care because that's like a, that's is. how those you know a lot of those legendary feuds happen because yep. of a hundred bucks that somebody owes them yeah, or, totally. right. You know, something crazy like that because it's that's just a matter of respect. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that I think that we were all a little butt hurt proverbially or whatever right that that we were ha- we were just like you know we we thought it was all for one and then you know i shit the bed sure that sucks and like i said there were tears it was weak it was maybe it was a uh uh there were there were weak points in my character for doing that like i said earlier watchtower fans were some of them were devastated Ultimately, I think everyone got over it, mm-hmm. and I was crossover all of a sudden. Yeah, because there were Watchtower fans that absolutely loved that Dangerous Toys record. You know, we made a bunch of records, but the one, the debut record, was is now. I mean, twenty years plus, and it's a classic to some people. Like a guy wearing a black metal T-shirt will come up to me and go, "Dude, yeah, I was young." And that was a gateway. That was good. Yeah. That was like you guys were not warrant. Right. Yeah. You guys were like a a, a pissed off rat. So where did that come or from? Whatever. You know, was that your element? Was that what set the band apart from being Onyx? I don't know. I, I want, you know, I don't know because they had, you know, some of the songs they had. I had a chance. I, I tried to write lyrics. They were really bad. My lyrics were just sucked. I didn't write. I didn't like anything. As far as my writing goes, my lyrics and music, I, I didn't like anything I had ever written until I was about 30 years old. And we're talking about eight years from age 30. We're talking way prior. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting and that uh, – you know, it's like I had this avenue to start writing music and lyrics with these guys that I barely knew, and I wasn't going to let anything stop me. It's like, man, I just quit a band that I was in for almost a decade to be in a band with dudes I barely knew. That's crazy. Yeah. It was a chance that I'm glad that I took because now I feel like I'm a better musician just all the way around because it was a dangerous moment. Well, that's a hell of a lot of humility to be able to say, uh, yeah, my, I'm not liking my words. Well, the Watchtower, when you hear that, when you hear and you read their lyrics and you, and you hear the music, I'm talking the Watchtower stuff, your mind is blown. Yeah, because they're not writing. Hey, heavy metal party, rock and roll <laughs> chicks cruising. You know, it's not. No, it's about uh, you know current events, social disrupt, Chernobyl 
it's like reading like news mm-hmm. headline stuff and these guys are 17 yeah so it's very heavy metal very heavy metal but it was also touching on religion what's well, a page out of that rush and, book really you know because when i think yeah. about you know uh, even though they were writing about Gollum and <laughs> tom sawyer yeah they were yeah well not even yet <laughs> rush well, really yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. put it in perspective okay <laughs> allegory no, do you not know how to tell a he's story right. he's right yeah. though yeah he is right it's coming from somewhere and that was just where they decided to to come from because it was on some level watchtower we did think that we were rush babies as just as probably much as dream theater were kind of rush babies uh they were berkeley rush babies we were just garage rush babies yeah. we were punk rock rush babies right mm-hmm. mike portnoy dream theater x dream theater now basically wrote uh, dare i say a fan letter to Watchtower in 86 with cassette tapes of his band that was later known as Dream Theater called Majesty. Dude, your record's killer, blah, blah, blah. We're all at Berkeley students and check our stuff out. We'd really appreciate it if you check it out. We love your record, blah, blah, blah. Mike Portnoy. I wish I still had the letter. Right? No kidding. <laughs> yeah. But the guy is the guy is great and the guy is uh, super talented and fun and so fast forward to today. Yeah, let's fast forward a little bit. You, t- you brought up Hoagland. Gene Hoagland, he wrote, he wrote lyrics on two of the songs on this new slab of metal. <laughs> this is the uh, Evil United. Yes. Yes, Honored by Fire. He, uh, Gene Hoagland wrote, uh, I, Gene was a, uh, wrote, wrote me, like I say again, it's weird saying it, but a fan letter in uh, 1984 or 85 when he was 17 years old. Complete watchtower worship, just worship. And he was in a band at the time called War God. He has been a friend a long, long time. And uh, I just I got writer's block, and I called him up. We were putting this this record together, and uh, I I had just seen him with I run into him with Testament at the uh, the emos mm-hmm. back room. A couple days later, I just called. Hey, hey, dude, it was great to see you the other day. Hey, I, I don't want to keep you or bug you, but. Man, I got I have a couple of titles, but I need some lyrics. A lot of people don't realize and it's way back in Dark Angel, he played guitar and wrote riffs on those records. He wrote a lot of the lyrics on those records and that stuff is evil. <laughs> Brutality lyric. You're reading it and it's like, "Whoa, this is horrific." And so he said, "Oh yeah, glad to do it, man." 3 days later, he said, "Yeah, I'm just on the bus. This will be fun." And he I gave him the titles. The titles were uh one called Ghost Crushed and one called Tomb's Pawn. He just ruled. And what's great about, you know, a, a lyricist is when they can write just a little bit too much so you you can actually have choice you can lose a couple things as to fit he wrote without listening to any of the tracks did he, he just, know like the no nothing he knew no cadence no riff no groove nothing wow. well you know I, i'll pat myself on the back and say to take just you know vomit on a page that has some sort of rhyme scheme and make it work with some j- what if it's a jagged thing what if there's an odd time groove go what's some kind of weird thing it's like i have to make that fit but you know where I get that talent? Watchtower. Yeah. Because like I said, it's odd. T- there's no 4-4. Four, four. 
Yeah. Right? It's no straight. Yeah. There's no straight line. So it's rat-a-tat, tat 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 singing, too, just as much as it is a riff or a drum fill or something. So Gene is uh, great. So excited about this new record and uh, and we just got it, so we haven't even had a chance to listen to it. We're going to listen to it. I listened to it last night. It is on Spotify. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course it is. Me yeah. and Spotify. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not friends with Spotify. Anymore. Well, it's it's already my guitar player in Evil United, Todd. He he was uh, he. We were talking yesterday. This record just came out Tuesday. It's already free download. You know, if you just Google Evil United, it's already on some rogue uh, streaming. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, whatever. Again, music is free, and the kids make it that way because they're all hackers, and that's just what they do. And, you know, I heard Tom Mariah say one time, you know, if you like the record, buy it. If you're just like a collector of souls, eh, burn it and just give it away because, you know, it's not like the band is going to – care or not eat we was digging the garbage yeah it's all right thanks <laughs> <laughs> that's metal right yeah totally yeah, yeah. 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 bringing it back to well, its roots yeah the music hackers of the world are keeping it real by making the bands eat garbage yeah but you uh, get a fraction of a penny every time somebody plays it on spotify yeah, right? so. a fraction i heard they're raising raising the pay on that for for plays that's basically so that, that people are. stop posting their checks that they get from them for four cents i think that's the whole that's hilarious that. it yeah. is pretty yeah. damn awesome to see yeah. those uh, but disappointing at the same time right oh. like the tv model right and where you've got uh you can get tv shows all sorts of different ways. Same thing. Digital, Hulu, yeah. et cetera, right? Yeah. But what it is is that there's been – there's HBO and there's some of these others, AMC, that have come up with very high-quality stuff that people want and they want it immediately because they want to talk with their friends about it immediately. So they're willing to spend large amounts of money just to get that content. And it, I, I wish there was a way that that could also have a parallel in music. Someone needs to come up and say, "What? What are we do? Put it all on the table and go. Do you see this? You should this write is, James Hetfield. This is it's awful. his turn. Yeah, I guess it is his. I guess it is his turn. Yeah, he he's he, busy shooting he, bears. He's not writing me back. He's not writing me back anymore. God bless him. He's he's not writing me. back. I don't blame him one bit. I wouldn't write me back either, dude. You rule. You rule. You rule. You rule. Uh, yeah, I need to let this guy go. Yeah. <laughs> Because I I, I, I I still uh, worship the guy. The guy is awesome. The guy is still awesome. You know, it, not to go into Metallica, uh, but when you're around when the first record comes out, when you're into this thing called heavy metal, before there was even something called Metallica, and then for Metallica to come in and go, yeah, this is going to make you want to throw away your docking record. Whether you did or not. You know what I'm trying to say. It's amazing you say that because yeah. I remember the first time I saw Metallica was the Garage Days poster on a friend's wall right over a Dawkins poster. And it, it wasn't a year later that that Dawkins poster was gone yeah. and it, it was replaced with like Megadeth or sure, Slayer sure. or something, you know? I'm not even putting anything on Dawkins. I'm just, I think that it's just kind of fun to but say. But it was time you know, changing. It was evolving, yeah. which you, you saw it yeah. firsthand. You know, when you walk down the street and there was somebody with that, that, that T-shirt with the toilet, with the hand and the knife sticking out of it, it was like you could just look at them and just sort of nod because it was, oh, you're on my team. 
And yeah. I remember being in school and, you know, the, the the dude with the Metallica shirt, you became friends with that dude. Oh, yeah. You know, the guy with the docking shirt, well, he was at the party you were at on Saturday, but you didn't hang out so much. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's a Beavis and Butthead moment with Stuart with the winger <laughs> right. shirt. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Man, I hated that show when it first came on because it was so true. Mm. It, that, that, that took me so long to get over and then just appreciate it for being funny, you know? Right. Well, Mike Judge is genius. Yes, yeah, he's proven it. With everything, Valley, everything, too. everything he's he's put out is the truth. Yeah, he's like a whistleblower. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, with Evil United, is this what you're putting in the engine now? Are you still trying? This to- is one of the things we we opened for Cannibal Corpse a few weeks back in San Antonio. It was a blast. To kind of dig deep, I I really think that I love all the material on this record. If you listen to the first Evil United record and and you listen to this one, it's like, personally, I can probably take half of the first record and half of this record and combine them, and that would have been like the ultimate first record by by this new band, Evil United. Mm -hmm. But you, you can't choose what time of day it is either yeah right it this is getting mixed reviews i shouldn't read the reviews because you know uh joe can create a blog throw it out there and get f- just to get free music and uh you know everyone's a critic now and that's fine and everyone can say whatever they want about something fresh and new and i i think that it's i mean as long as they're talking about it and giving it some kind of fair rating I'm good. I'm good with that. Well, dude, thank you for thank you for coming in today, man. I know it's early as hell. <laughs> we yeah. appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it was one of those falling asleep in the shower. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm up. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the shower. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to talk about metal. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't get up for anybody. You know what I mean? I, I'll, get, I'll get up for metal, but I don't get up for anybody. Hell yeah. I'll Chuck get out, is metal. I'll get, I'll get out of bed for metal.
to the Metal Sucks Podcast today. I think my favorite band on Summer Slaughter Tour, and I'm I'm a huge Goat Horror fan. I'm, I, but but Origin, I think, stole the show. I really do. They were badass, wow. man. And so you need to check out the new record called Omnipresent. I think you will dig. You will like. I don't know if you'll like, but you know. <laughs> I, I, I was I, bummed I missed that door. I what really I love it is when I play show. a song for Godless and I see him over there yawning. That's, yeah, uh, that's my favorite thing. Oh, I don't do that's that. It's the biggest. Cu- you you seriously so did that yeah. a minute ago when I was that yep. song was playing and you were like. 
Yeah, but keep in mind, yeah, like, it's okay. like I, I, I like slept through like one of the best shows of that the year. True. You that is true. Yeah, we're so, talking about that too. Yeah. Septic flesh. We're gonna man. get a chance to have you re-sleep through that show <laughs> next time they come through Austin. That's right, know. with Flesh God aco- uh, Apocalypse. <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long fucking day. The show, yeah. the show has gone way off the rails and way out of control, man. <laughs> Thank you to Anzo for uh, being our guest and telling us all about Heavy Montreal uh, that happened a couple weeks ago. Some. Day we'll actually make it up there to Canada. To check it out. They, they should invite us. And thanks to uh, Jason McMaster for uh, being our guest in Evil United. Much respect. Uh, yes, definitely a hell of a lot of respect for that dude. And uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and all that good stuff because there are plenty of metal podcasts out there and we are one of them. So make sure that you... <laughs> well, everybody's trying it now. I know, dude. Everybody's Everybody thinks it's easy. Don't worry. They don't, think it's easy because they hear don't us doing worry. it. Everybody jumps in the game. But if you can get past like 20 episodes, man... You're pretty solid. You yeah. got to keep on going. So I'm pretty proud of us for for being on for over a year and, and still and still trudging through, getting through. So we got more guests that are coming in here very soon. Uh, big names, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Don't don't jinx us. No, oh, dude, they're all big names. Actually, they are pretty big names. Yeah, I man. mean, some so, of them have really long names. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, but Giannopola, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna get get our friend G- uh, Stavros back on here and do some uh, guesting. We're gonna have Doc Coyle back because everybody seemed to really like that segment so a lot of good stuff happening make sure you're following us on twitter and you can actually keep up with us i'm at bearded ape i'm at godless speaks on spotify as well and this has been another episode of the metal sucks podcast